It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I am talking about the death of intimacy with Melissa Louise. Originally from Australia, Melissa has spent the last 30 years traveling throughout over 25 countries, raising her teenage boy on the road while teaching and supporting both men and women to understand their absolute birthright of pleasure along the way. A strong advocate for the decriminalization of human sexuality, Melissa knows it's every person's birthright to have true, sacred, guilt-free sexual and menstrual education that leads us all to knowing our pleasure is not optional. There are only two reasons we have come to exist in our bodies, menstruation and ejaculation two of the most avoided subjects today. Now more than ever, we need to shift the shame, the fear, and deeply compromise attitudes and information that heavily burden our most precious and life-changing gift, sex. Having studied under some of today's most groundbreaking women in the field of sexual empowerment, such as Kim Anami, Layla Martin, Sophia Sundry, Amber Lates, and Chris. Jen Sweden, oh my, Morelli. <laughs> Melissa delivers a very bold and down to earth message combining tantric, ancient Taoist, and modern day realizations aimed to shatter the often dangerous veil surrounding sexuality, intimacy, and our bodies. Melissa, I am so happy to be here with you, and it's so amazing to connect and just see your beautiful face and hear your sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, honey, it's so wonderful to be here with you and to also see you and hear you. It's been a while. It has. So let's see, I think the last time we connected, you were in Vancouver, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's what, a year ago? Yeah, a year and a half ago, really, that first time. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. I feel like our our friendship, our sisterhood is one that just picks up, you know, in an instant. It like never goes away. 
boom, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this beautiful thread that is just always there that you can just like tap back into. So I'm so glad to have you. And all right, so let's talk a little bit about your journey and how you became to or came to become this amazing sexually empowered woman, like literally one of the most sexually empowered women that I've ever met. And I have met a lot of really amazing women that are, you know, on this journey of sexual empowerment. And you our queen. Like I'm always so, I just admire you and respect your, your strength. And, uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Oh my goodness. Yes. I would love to. And thank you so much for (laughs) those reflections. It's so incredible to hear. I find, like when I sort of think about my story, I find it's one that is so common. And because of the commonality of it, that is what really, really pushed me to go, well, it's just non-negotiable. I need to be able to come to the place that I can speak so freely and feel so freely what I about something that I feel is so natural, which is our sexuality. And coming like so many women from a background of sexual abuse and also the realization of the abandonment of the feminine in that sexual abuse, where it's our mothers and grandmothers and the mothers of our friends at school and the aunties and the slut shaming from the women that pushed me further and further into shame and so much fear of who I was. I I was so afraid that I went, I was so afraid of women that I actually went (laughs) and worked in the gold mining industry. And even I worked in Kalgoorlie down in the pits behind jewel rigs and stuff. And I used to manage, before that used to manage stations. And I kept finding I was around so many people because I just was so frightened of people, especially women. So then I went and lived out bush. You know, I worked as a field assistant that got sent away. (laughs) Like I was being sent away from the principal's office. I was sent out to the bush on my own with one or two other people because I was just so frightened of, you know, being around people, not having boundaries, not knowing how to live life, just going, I'm not protected. And a lot of people sort of see that arena as really dangerous, but I found so much solace of being on my own. And then when I you know, moved to Sydney, I, the biggest, the biggest thing that happened to me was how frightened I was of women. Like that's when it really came apparent that I'd been choosing work that was so based in the masculine and really hardcore because I just didn't know how to be around women because I didn't trust them. So in Sydney, I, um, you know, became a full-on alcoholic and drug addict and everything going this is it I'm out like I just can't and just I just had a spiritual awakening when I was um when I was pregnant with my son but just before that the father of my child even the story behind that meeting him was kind of saved my life in a way and through that through becoming clean and sober I really had to work my stuff and I really had to face my sexual abuse. I had to face how I didn't feel safe in the world. And what that came to is I didn't feel safe in my body. In a female body, I did not feel safe. And um, I had to really work through that. And I left Australia, became part of that, got, um, oh, what do you call it? When you, oh, when you go to university and you get given, you know, they, they pay for you to go to uni. What's that word? No, scholarship. 
scholarship, that's it. I was given a scholarship to the, the Pleasure Tribe with Christian Spitting Morelli. And I was in Peru at the time. And I spent these two years studying and working this, working through this you know, aspect of trusting the feminine again. And it was astounding. And I just, I just knew that there was nothing else for me to do but to speak about this. Because every time I would have a women's circle, every time I'm sitting in a whole group of women, you know, the statistics that are on the websites and when you do research and the government stuff that they put out, it's always around 30, 35% that they say around sexual abuse. But whenever I've sat with more than 10 women, it's always 70 to 75, 80%. Mm-hmm. The majority yeah. of people do not do not actually come forth. They don't report it. So for me, it's around being really truthful around those aspects because it's also for the masculine, the amount of boys that are also going through sexual abuse. And so as a culture and society, you're just going to get fucking real. Like there's just no more time for this rubbish (laughs) around hiding what brought us here. You know, we're only here. Like we're only here because a woman menstruates and a man ejaculates. It's the only reason we become in the human form. But let's talk about it. Let's get real about it. (laughs) I just refuse to be ashamed of being in a female body and ashamed of sexuality. I just went, if I'm going to live for the rest of my life, I'm not going to live in shame and guilt. So it took a lot. Amazing. (laughs) Strong about it. Well, yeah, I mean, and you have done such a great job. You are such a vision of a really liberated, empowered woman when it comes to sexuality and like real, true empowerment from the inside out, not just like, you know, kind of the flashy external, like there there are a lot of women out there that, and maybe this is true for them, but, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's not, but, but there are definitely women that project sexual confidence but it's only like an external confidence it doesn't really stem from have really gone do going in and doing the work to heal and to be integrated you know in internally and externally and you are are one of the women that has done a really great job of doing that like you're totally comfortable in your body you feel confident with your sexuality um you're able to just be open and and talk about it in a really uh, you know blunt way but there's also just like a real a wholeness that you have inside that that projects outward and i really admire that in you thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> mm. And you, know you happen to be the only person on the planet that I've ever asked to marry me. That's kind of my claim to fame, honey. <laughs> but I have used that. And I still remember. <laughs> I remember what it felt like in my body when you were looking at me and said, I'll marry you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what would I wear? <laughs> what would I wear next to you? <laughs> Hey, um, you know, I, I'm just going to put it out there. It's, it's it's live. It's on recording. The offer still stands, Melissa. <laughs> I would require that you move south. I'm not moving north. I have like nuts and palm trees. So if that's wrong, you're going to have to move to me. <laughs> oh, my God. We would, like, literally just dominate. <laughs> 
we would blow the world out of itself. We'd turn the whole globe inside out. Seriously. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like seeing these amazing visions. Yes. And like all the men coming in that we can just have sex with together. And oh, wow. Amazingness. <laughs> I dream of this. I'm blushing and I'm really excited. <laughs> so that's a fuck yes. I only do things that are hell yes or a fuck yes, which often means in this little small sleeping town, I'm just home on my own a lot because I'm like, it's not a fuck yes. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, at least you get to go to the beach, so. (laughs) Oh, my God. So let's talk about the death of intimacy. This is really a fantastic topic. It is one that we are facing in relationship big time right now. There is such a uh, just a, a disconnect between the genders. And I mean... Honestly, like for me, when I am dating right now, I often find it a lot easier to date women. And I'm equally attracted to men and women, but it seems easier to date women right now. There seems to be such a, just this, um, this gap between the, the genders. There's a huge distrust and it's something that I actively in my career work to to heal that that gap that disconnect that's going on right now but the reality of it is it is there and it's there big time yeah it is a huge subject that i think a lot of people when they're in it in relationship they actually also find that they're quite surprised or they're shocked that they're in it especially younger couples and stuff like that you know i find younger people come to me newlyweds come to me and they just they're so frightened that it's happening to them. And for me, it's a huge, my first question is, or the questioning goes towards, or the inquiry is around polarity. So let's dive in, like this whole aspect around polarity. The men, I find, you know, this is, the men are emasculated. We have a culture where the men are emasculated. They don't know what to do. They don't know even even not even know how to really be in their body. If we have a look at the last 50 years, men now sit. To work, they sit. Even before when things were being produced in a factory, a man was swinging his hands, he was moving his body. So we have men that are completely out of their body and yet the masculine drive and the energy is so centred and grounded and based in the body. Testosterone, you know, it... it, to build testosterone for bone density, muscle mass, like you need movement. So through that, regardless of how the feminine, you know, coming out of the feminist movement of how we have come out with this aspect of really emasculating the men through our need to rise, the men are also also in a culture that emasculates them. And so it's also very frightening for the man. So many men don't even know how to rise up and really be in their masculine energy. And that's what we crave. So a lack of intimacy is that the men are craving surrender and the women are craving to be taken. And yet, you know, for a woman to be taken, for her to be completely ravished, she needs to be able to evoke that, you know, the ravished the one that wants to be ravished 
needs to be able to evoke the ravisher. And the man, the masculine energy to ravish, needs to be able to feel that he's been surrendered to. And so that's the aspect of human biology and sex and eroticism. Around the corner where we're all living, <laughs> it's just like we're all in masculine drive. Like the women are in absolute, I'm not talking about women not working. I'm saying when a woman is working to be in her masculine drive is fucking awesome. We do it so well. But in relationship, you need to find polarity when you walk through that door. Yeah, walking through the door, being in your relationship, the man needs to rise, he needs to take control. And the woman needs to surrender if you want eroticism. And this comes in so many different arenas. Women are so concerned about losing their power, losing control. They're afraid that it means they're not being respected, but they want to be fucked wide open. But they still want to have control over it in a way because the, the act of surrender is so fearful for so many women because it's tied up in the aspect of losing control over something. But in, in your work, that's so needed, but not in relationship. And I think that's the one thing that's not talked about enough is that in relationship, to have polarity, to have eroticism. So to have eroticism, you need to have polarity, which is completely different to what we do in our work life. What, what works for the woman in the work life does not work in relationship. And yet the woman is the one that's in charge of the emotional, she leads, the woman leads. The feminine leads emotionally in the relationship. She's not giving up power. She, you have power with your partner, not over your partner. Yes, and it is definitely something that women are craving. And it's so funny that you are saying these words because this is exactly what I wrote in an email that I sent out like an hour ago that women <laughs> say to me that they want to be ravished, that they say to me that they want a man that is strong. I've even had women say to me, men are just becoming more gay by the day. Like that is literally the words. I was sitting there getting my hair done, started talking to the woman who's doing my hair and that's exactly what she said. Men are just becoming more gay by the day. And that's not to put down gay people at all. Like I am bisexual. I have, my best friend is a gay man. Like it's not about that. But if you are in a heterosexual relationship these women, they really desire men, straight men, to have a certain presence that is strong, that can take them. And they're, they're not getting it. And women are saying, I would rather not be with a man. I would rather be on my own than to, to be, with, be with someone that I'm not being satisfied with. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes two. You know? It absolutely does. You're right. And it's, it's yeah. both. It's the, the women, like you said, we are so in our, our masculine when it comes to work life. And then we don't allow ourselves to let go and surrender. Well, honey, like, I think this would really, this would be what you would say yes to as well. Being a single mama, working, having a business. If I'm being asked out on a date and this person just says, uh, so what time do you want to go out and um, where do you want to go? I'm like, sorry, Al, you're asking me to make decisions. I am so in my masculine energy. It's like, do inquiry. If you want to take me out, step up and take me out. Tell me, 
give me a choice of two days. Tell me you're picking me up at seven. And please don't, I mean, I'm in a small country town, like in a small beach town. So being told to meet them at a restaurant, it's like, <laughs> nah, you come and pick me up. <laughs> you know, I'm spending an hour getting ready, blow drying my hair. Like this is a surf town. I'm going to be wearing high heels in a little dress. You know, I'm not in my yoga pants. So if I'm putting that effort in, <laughs> I require to get picked up, you know, and taken to the restaurant, the door to be open. Because if you want me to be in my feminine radiance, I need to be able to soften in that. So the first, to me, the first line is, is like, as a man asking a woman, well, where do you want to eat? It's kind of like, come on, honey, step up, do inquiry, find out, you know, is there anything you're allergic to? What is your favorite food that you eat? You've got that information, go and make a decision. Because the issue is too that so many men are not involved in their mission in their life. They're working for other people. So they're sitting at a desk taking orders and this is their opportunity to, this is where they amp up their masculinity. It's like, great, if that's your work right now and that's what's happening, we're not having a go at that. But when you step out of your work mode, you've got to rise up in your masculine energy and start making decisions, start taking control, taking over. So the woman can just soften and be there. She's going she's to find ways to trust you. And he's got to trust her too. Like she can't be halfway in the restaurant and say, oh, I don't want to eat there. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> That's untrustworthy. <laughs> and, you know, but there's right. enough inquiry, you know. So, yeah, as a woman running a business and raising a child and doing everything on my own, I need someone to come in and tell me what's happening. So I don't have to make the decision. <laughs> yes. I'm like, right, you're on the list. And my list's really long. So if you go on the list, it's not going to happen for a month. <laughs> so if you want me to come out for dinner, just fucking get on it. <laughs> it's so funny that you say this because I literally like about lost it last night. And because I get, I've been messaging with a guy and, you know, there's, there's COVID. We just haven't met up. We've done the FaceTime calls we've done. And finally I was like, look, I don't want to do another FaceTime call. Like, can we please just meet up? And so, so yeah, okay. We're going to meet up in a couple of days and I'm, I'm in Phoenix right now. It's in July and you can only imagine what the weather is in he says in something about like, oh, well, why don't we just meet up in downtown Phoenix and walk around and see what's open? I'm like, what? <laughs> Am I like actually reading this text correctly? And I'm like, um, no, that actually doesn't. I said, you know, something cool would be really nice, you know, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, am I, where's the disconnect here? Like, why can't you just after literally weeks of sending me messages and I'm going out on a first date with you and that's the best you can come up with. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. It's like, what? So this is, these are the conversations. Yeah. Men are wanting more from women. They want to feel us more. They need to feel us more. They don't want our talk. They don't want the stories. Like it's, you know, our feminine brain is completely opposite to their masculine brain. But what is their offer? <laughs> They're offering us this big open space that needs to be the void that needs to be filled in with annoyance, anger, and being pissed off because it's, it's like we're kind of tumbling into it. They're not offering a really strong structure. And like for them to offer that structure, who's also teaching them that? That's, it's easy for us to, well, easy. Like we can sit here and say, this is what we need. But boys have raised boys, you know? We have two generations of 
high divorce rates and single parenting and boys that are not supported into growing up to be men and they have children. So, yeah, it's true. My dad, like I grew up with um, in a two parent household and my dad, definitely very strong masculine presence. My mom also was very much able to be in her masculine when it came to work and you know what she was doing like with her education and her career and everything but i saw my dad regularly plan and he still does to this day they've been together almost 40 years and like he still takes charge and plans their dates and you know Mm -hmm. takes them on on trips together and you know he gives my mom that opportunity to just be as be a woman and like it doesn't mean that my mom's voice has been shut down at all like my mom definitely speaks her mind and you know she's she's very much she's very powerful in that regard but my dad still does take the lead in their relationship in those aspects of it Mm -hmm. and i mean that is just so gorgeous to hear and the aspect the, the thing is is he's taking the lead with absolute consideration of her Oh, of course. Yes. Like he wants to do, he wants her to feel like a queen and he has always done such a great job of that. Like I literally grew up watching my dad treat my mother like a queen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And so like that, I take that with me into my, my work that I do with men of like, like helping them see like how to how to treat a woman like how to be with a woman how to be powerful um in the ways that that she wants women don't want to be with a man that's you know just has that external power that's just egotistical and narcissistic and you know that type of man a woman despises like literally like maybe she's going to be attracted initially to something that's there the charisma that he projects something you know or the money that he spends but ultimately a woman's going to despise that man but if you are if you have like just character and integrity and strength internal strength like you really like are this pillar of strength and that doesn't mean like you don't have emotions i i've seen my dad cry more than i've seen my mother cry like my dad definitely shows his emotions but he also is a very strong man like that that really does embody his his masculine yeah wow you're very blessed to have that as a as an inspiration honey (laughs) i know and it's it's very rare and (laughs) uh, but i see the guys that i work with like they they listen and they they hear this is the women really do desire this and they're they want like i feel like i work with the best men and the entire planet like i just somehow i get so lucky over and over the guys that come into my programs and they they're the guys that they really want to to do this they want to be the ones that have the incredible relationships and like they're they're willing to to learn they're willing to do the work they're willing to to make changes in their life to have it so it's i'm always inspired when by the men that i'm working with and then like i go out into like the world of like dating and i'm like oh man like (laughs) like there's so so much work to do out there (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I had this, um, this absolute conversation of polarity with a female client and a male client yesterday. And what was so, I mean, they're both completely separate people. And it was the female first and it was our first session. And we talked about that, about, you know, her surrendering more, finding for her partner to rise more, and just her realisation of the emasculating aspects of her always taking control and then how he, you know, it was lack of connection. There was no connection when she was always in her masculine. So huge light bulbs going off and, you know, because she wants more intimacy and her libido's, you know, not so high or has no libido and just the understanding of surrender bringing about more libido. And then like half an hour later, it was with a guy and I'm supporting him to get up and take more control in the intimacy part of the relationship and connection. And just like when all the light globes go on, yeah? And how he sat up in his chair, how he got really excited and he goes, oh my God, I can do this. Because that's so easy for me. Oh, amazing. And and you have permission to take charge because you need to. And it was so beautiful to see, like, you know, the hour before, the woman understanding, like, shit, taking charge means I'm losing connection. And then, you know, now later the guy's going, oh, my God, if I take charge, I get connection. <laughs> it's just like, there we go. You know, yes. Right yes. You know, and just the excitement in both of them of understanding. It's like for the women to give up, like, to, to not give up, to, to give over control. And just how the man shines when he takes control because he's looking after his woman. He is dedicating his life to this relationship. They've got kids. Like, this is the other aspect is women needing to understand that men fucking want connection. They want to be seen and heard. They want to be cared for. They want to be nurtured. But they need to be able to show them that it's safe. You know, and we don't make it safe when we're always in control and nagging and being pissed off. This is one thing I heard a a guy speaking about this a while ago. And he pointed out, you know, this man that was talking about all of this stuff. The intensity that we tell a man when we're pissed off and when they've done something wrong. He goes, show us that intensity when we do something right. When you love us, when we're present, when we've won, come with us at that intensity. Because when we've done something wrong, we fucking will hear it. And we know it for days. Sometimes we know it for weeks. But when we're present, we get a, oh, good, awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. You know, we're so worried about, can we trust the man? You know, can we, can we really trust that he's going to show up? And when he does, we're not so overly flamboyant about it. And I think that's the aspect when you're talking about the gay, um, the gay community and having a gay friend, I, all of these images come to mind. It's like when you have the dom and the femme in the gay relationship, the masculine gay relationship, you know, the femme partner is so much in surrender and openness. Like if you think about, you know, the quintessential gay couple together, like he's so giggly and sparkly and he's so open and yes, and, you know, he's really soft, you know, and, the, and then the dom part of that relationship is really drawn to that. Like they really get the feminine aspect. I think gay men get the feminine aspect of surrender, letting go and being taken. They've mm-hmm. got to do that. <laughs> I think why they're so happy. <laughs> <laughs> saw in Sydney I saw these like gloriously wildly happy 
gay men that were in their surrender because they just got it. They're like, yeah, <laughs> I've got my glitter on and I've got high heels on and my shorts on and you can do whatever you want to be. <laughs> you know? And a big smile on their face all the time. Oh my God. Yes. You're so right. <laughs> I often have men that I'm, you know, talking to potentially dating and they will often say something around, you know, well, do you just want to, do you like to take control in the bedroom? Do you like to be in the lead in the bedroom? And they're, they're very defensive and almost like it's covering insecurities. And clearly when that happens, I realize they're not a guy for, for me to be with, but it's just... I'm, I'm always like, no, actually I don't <laughs> like, that's the last thing I want. Like I am taking control in every aspect of my life, you know, 80 hours a week while I'm working. And the last thing I want to do is I'll have to also be in control in the bedroom. And yeah. like, I want to be with a man that I can surrender to more than anything. I would, I welcome that. I crave that. Like, please just take over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the aspect of, you know, when we're talking about when someone you're about to date someone and you're trying to, you know, have conversations and this whole thing of when men come up and saying, I can make you come over and over again. It's like, you can't make a woman do that. It's an invitation to surrender to you. Like straight in that line, like the boasting. It's like, well, you know, we both have to instill this aspect of being able to let go and being able to take control. It's not like making someone do something, but it's, and it's not around technique. This is the other thing where people, you know, are, are bursting to have better sex lives. So they want to know all of these techniques. And it's like, well, those things come on board afterwards. It's like all of this other personal work first. It doesn't come down to just technique. It's like, how do you hold the space? How do you rise? How do you cultivate trust? You know, for the feminine, like, how do you allow a man to feel you? How do you keep on being present with him with an open heart, but really clear boundaries? Like all of this cultivation of the polarity. Yeah. First dates is so much fun. I actually get off on first dates. I never get past much than that. <laughs> that was fun, thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For first dates, I often feel are nothing more than an interview. And I'm just like, why, why didn't you just listen to my podcast before you came on the date? You know, like, I, I didn't, I didn't need to spend, you know, an hour getting ready, two hours here having a drink just to be interviewed again. I should have gotten paid for this. <laughs> Oh, what's my, the most, the biggest turn off that I don't even bother replying to now when men go, oh, I could really learn a lot from you. I'm like, well, here's my fees, book a, book a consult and we can start working together. But that means we'll never go on a date. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'm not turned on to the fact that you're already telling me that I've got to teach you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, show up, show up in your power. And that's, that's why when working with men, I have them train on their own. I don't want them to learn on their partner. I'm like, do this work on your own and then show up in bed ready to take her, to ravish her. Because women don't want that. Women don't want to be the one that's being practiced on. It's just... <laughs> I mean, and not to say that you can't ever do it, you know, it can be fun to like go do some sort of sex training together as a couple, but there is so, so much more when a man is able just to already show up in that place. Yes. 
you know, one of my favorite things of telling men is, you know, the thing is, it's like a woman's vagina, her pussy is different every single day. You know, the same woman's vagina. So this whole practicing and training on your own also means using mangoes and heating up the oil, finding other aspects like a rock melon or something, it's like, or get yourself, you know, a flashlight. Like if you want to truly practice and train, you can't just use a dry hand. Like, let's get creative. And if you are creative in that aspect of your own, just imagine what you could take to your woman. But that always causes a few gasps and eyebrow lifts. Yes, honey, <laughs> go on those. Like, just lather it all on your cock and masturbate with mango juice. Why not? <laughs> now that's something I would suck off. <laughs> Mangoes and rock melons, I think, work best. In that rock melon? I've never even had a rock melon. What do they call Cantaloupes. You like? Oh, 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 okay. Cantaloupes, yes. Mm. Us Aussies down south, it's all about rocks and cocks and. Grab <laughs> <laughs> two of those rock melons, baby. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah but it is something that uh, Esther Perel talks about also she says something a paraphrase but it's women crave in the bedroom what they protest in the streets and it's really true like it is what women want we want equality in the in you know, as far as equal pay and the right to have the jobs, the careers that we want to have to make choices over our lives, all of that. But in the bedroom, we do crave a, a really strong masculine presence. Yeah. It's, it's by, by biology. It is. Yeah. And there's, there's no getting, getting away from it. A lot of people are trying to make it something different, you know, like, because we do have developed cortexes that see the world in a different way than we did millions of years ago. Clearly we live in a different world than we did millions of years ago, but those patterns that are in our primal brain, that is about 95% of what controls us every single day of our life. And you can do work, you can go in there, you can create new patterns, you can just create neural, new neural pathways in your brain, more connection and integration between the primal brain, the limbic system and the cortex. You can do a lot of stuff to become more in alignment but it's still there. Like you've got to honor that primal part of you that is there from billions of years of evolution. Well, I was reading a quite very interesting t statistic the other day, last week sometime, around that the women's level of happiness today is actually lower than before the feminist movement. So our aspect of feeling happy is lower. I'm not at all saying we should, I, that feminist movement is so necessary, but it's what you were saying that es Esther Perel, you know, talks about. Within our work life, within the 3D life of outside of the home, outside of relationship, for human development and human nature, equality is absolutely paramount. But the biology of eroticism is opposite to that. And I think we just need to get all on board <laughs> with that acceptance. <laughs> like... <laughs> Let's just start mixing it up. Yeah. And 
their, different, their differentiation. Is that a word? Well, in the, the Me Too movement has been, again, one of those things that was very necessary in society. We, were, we already spoke about the level of sexual abuse that goes on and that absolutely has to be stopped. And it's really great that we have, are having this conversation. But at the same time, that movement, the, the men that are not the abusers, the men that are not the, the ones that are you know, taking advantage of women, those men have shut themselves down even more because they don't want to contribute to the problem. They don't want to in any way be seen as contributing to the problem. They have a lot of empathy and and sympathy for, for women that have gone through these experiences and they do not want to contribute to the problem in any way. And these are the good guys. These are the guys that, that really are the ones that women want to have in their lives, but they're not showing up in powerful ways. And those are the men that I like to work with, that I like to help them step into their power because those, that's what women want. Like the man that is going to watch out and care for them and, and protect them and be, be considerate of, of what's going on and the emotion she's having and, you know, the pain and all that, but also, also be powerful in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I think a big contribution to that is the lack of um, rites of passage and men raising men. I think, you know, with the men that have become very nervous and very frightened and shut down because they don't have a culture of men standing around them, you know, really supporting them to be, you know, to rise and to, to be really grounded in their masculine energy. I'm a big advocate for rites of passage. I'm so up for sending my son out into the jungle to survive on his own for five days amongst jaguars and everything for, you know, at this age. I just don't think men are just not given the opportunity to prove themselves. So they're, they're sitting in a seat concerned, always concerned how to be, what to do, what to do next. You know, it's a very missionless type society right now, which just really dampens the masculine energy. Yeah. And again, this is not just an issue with the masculine. There's definitely issues with the feminine. There are so many angry feminists out there that are just trying to bring men down all the time, no matter what. And it's like, why would a man want to be with a woman like that? He doesn't. He doesn't want to be with a woman that's just angry and bitter and, you know, attacking and accusing and trying to bring him down all the time. So there's huge issue with, with women as well. Most definitely. Most definitely. And we're our worst enemies, you know. It's like as we, you know, many women that are older and single and just being really pissed off at that situation and then staying in their drive and finding something to, to really sort of latch onto and keep proving you know, what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with our culture as opposed to taking a breath, <laughs> coming back and yeah, which is why, you know, but also too, it's like this aspect that we have in our culture that we are problems to fix. That are, you know, our menstrual cycle, our feminine ways, like we are lunar beings and we're being so forced to live in a solar being construct, you know, the, the 
week and our culture is all designed to follow the sun. Yet our bodies in the feminine body, we, we follow the moon. So we are also very disconnected from who we are in our feminine body because we're being forced to work in a way that doesn't work for us. And we have, you know, we, don't, we also don't have rites of passage, no honouring of when we bleed, the shame around bleeding, the fact that it's something that we need to just get rid of, the, you know, the devices that we can put in our bodies now so we don't have menstrual cycles. We can just get rid of it. It's easier. It's easy to be in the system without a cycle, but it just makes us so sick. So, yeah. <laughs> actually i was with you i was thinking about this this morning the first time i drunk my blood oh my god i remember that was in costa rica costa rica i thought i was going to do this big ceremony and i was going to be you know under a waterfall but it was in a bathroom of a cafe <laughs> i said i was going to drink my blood next time i bled and you and i were about to go on this like journey across and get a chase a volcano and i started bleeding i'm like well i said i was going to do it <laughs> sorry guys Got a glass. Oh my god, that's such a good cafe. I miss it. I still have the shirt that I bought there. <laughs> hey, Mungo, the little monkey. Oh yes. Best balls. What do we call them? Espresso balls. That's all mm. I am. Balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear from men so often that they desire women to be feminine again, and you know, so there's, there's desire on both sides, like men desiring women to be feminine, women desiring men to be masculine. And also like, I think what we, we can mostly all agree on is being that it's like this internal because nobody likes the fake, right? Like nobody wants just the, the, the girl that just thinks she's God's gift to the world and expects men to provide everything. And, and, you know, that's not attractive, but a real woman, a woman that is intelligent, that's passionate, that has integrity, that has this just drive and this, uh, this desire for, for creating amazing things in the world and in her relationship and with her beloved, like that type of woman coupled with like a man that really is in his purpose and like has vision and, and is going for it. These are the things that are really, truly attractive. Yeah. The woman's biggest gift is to be able to receive in relationship. I, I think like her, her, her ability to receive her man. And in that receiving, where she's really, really truthful, she's cultivating trust through truth, like not withholding, to, be, to have her heart open and to be fully integral in her honesty actually calls her man to rise. You know, yeah. when we withhold, we're lying, when we hold back, when we're too scared, when we, you know, think when we just don't talk about the truth, you know, we're not, we're creating such distance. Whereas the truth and the trust and the femininity and the ability to receive our man, allowing him to be really present in our life is such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Men really crave that. They crave that softness. I mean, they're in their drive all day. They want to come home to softness and to be yes. honoured and seen and know that, you know, every, that whatever gets told to them is the truth. And appreciated. Oh, 
allowing him to win it's my favorite thing it's like let him know when he's won you know not in a fake over way just really appreciate him <laughs> it's so much fun <laughs> i think appreciating men through their cock is the most favorite thing that i do <laughs> mm, i love it worshiping their cock and like that to me is so deeply satisfying and also men really need that honey do you know i'm actually doing a live demo on next sunday and my beautiful model that has said fuck yes to this it's that aspect for him of to be able to fully receive and like to him for him to actually be seen through his cock Mm. Like, it's such a gift. I mean, we, we kind of have taught. We haven't really dated. We kind of tried. But he, um, you know, it's just different aspects of, of what all of that's about. And so now this incredible friendship has come about. And this, his process to be completely honoured through his cock where there's no pressure to penetrate. I mean, I see it with every lover I have. Like, to honour a man through his cock where there's no pressure to penetrate, where everything is just for him and he's being seen through his cock, I swear they get up an inch or two taller. You know, they're just like, you know, and just to really... And they're so very vulnerable and soft in that space as well as being very manly in that space. But it's so exquisite to really see a man through his cock. Yeah, that is where there's deep connection, such intimacy there. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's always my pleasure to to mm. honor a man that I'm with in that way, and just to pour love and adoration over him. Yeah, yeah. Coffee and favorite breakfast. Oh my god, you're amazing! So tell everyone where they can find you. Mm. Physically in Mexico, but if you're online, <laughs> you can find me on the beach in a wee little bikini. Um, online, it's melissalouise.world. And on Instagram, it's The Pleasure Studio. I'm still up. I've been removed from Facebook and all of that stuff finally. But I'm The Pleasure Studio on Instagram. <laughs> I think it's my last standing platform at the moment. And then on Sunday, what's no? Not this Sunday, next Sunday, I'm doing a live demo of Sacred Cock Worship, but you can find that on my website. Get details. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, it's been amazing to be here with you. I love you so fucking much. And one of these days we will worship cock together. God, I hope the guy's got, he just has nowhere to go for a month. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can have people feeding him. It's like, don't worry, honey, you will be fed. <laughs> but you're not going to be <laughs> for a long time. <sighs> and that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Oh. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.